Hello and welcome to a special Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Raish, your host, and I'm recording here in Perth, Western Australia. And I'm with a mother, a grandmother, a, um, a chemist, professor, an author, a speaker. And she's on tour now uh, with Evangelization Australia. Her name is uh, Stacey Tresankos, and she's with me uh, in Perth, Australia. Hello, Stacey. Hey, How are you? It's great to be here. Great yeah. to be here Thanks with you for being in Australia, us. down under. That's right. Yeah, we are down under. Um, and in Perth specifically, it's one of the most remote uh, major cities in the world, they yes. say. So it's, uh, it's a big country, Australia, and you, you've come. This is your second trip, second is that right? Second trip. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Is that your second overall in Australia? Or, or yes, per- second okay. time overall. It's yeah. a bit of a paradox because it does not feel remote here. No, it's a, it's it's a, a major city. Yeah, major city. Yes. So you, <laughs> st- you still feel pretty connected with the yes. rest of the world. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful, beautiful weather. It's mm-hmm. been amazing um, over here. And you've been enjoying your, your trip so far? It's been very, we, it took us a few days to get adjusted okay. to the time zone, but it's been a blessing being here. It's um, meeting the people. Yes. People ask me how it's different from where I am. It's very much like Texas. Oh, really? The, okay. The people here are very much like Texans, just yeah. very outgoing, happy to speak to you. Wow. So, yeah, you are from uh, Texas, uh, famous Tyler, Texas, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that area. Mm-hmm. Um, Diocese of Tyler. You grew up there? Did you grow up there? I grew up in East Texas. Okay. Um, like, well, so that's the general area. I grew up in a different town, um, Paris, okay. Paris, Texas. It's called Paris. It's oh, called wow. Paris, Texas. We have an Eiffel Tower with a cowboy hat on. Really? It. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I where I grew up. But then I spent most of my adult life in the Northeast, up okay. in uh, New York and Massachusetts oh, wow. and Virginia. Okay. So um, we moved back to Texas in 2017. So oh, it's, wow. okay. it's like Could a coming home because yes. I was never a New Yorker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, I'd love to, this is your first time on our Perusia podcast, um, and love to introduce you to our audience. Um, You've got a very interesting background. Uh, You are a convert as well. I didn't Mm -hmm. mention that. And uh, I'd love to just, being your first time, just a bit of a a quick overview about uh, who you are. So what, growing up, what was your faith? And and then how did you come into the Catholic faith? Just a bit of of everything. So what was... (laughs) Yep. Who is uh, Stacy Tresenkos? Yeah, I, I grew up in um, rural East Texas, Paris, Texas, and Brat um, Baptist. So okay. most people are, are Southern Baptist down there. And it's a very simple faith. And I remember my, my parents, who are wonderful people, um, teaching me all about Jesus. I, I remember the first time I had the faith and science question, my mom just told me, God made everything. God made the big round sun, God made the trees, and God made me. And I was like, cool, that that makes sense. And it, it fueled my love of science. And I, I'm just one of those kids who, who always liked science. Uh, but as I got older, like a lot of young people say, I think, that the Baptist religion didn't really have the answers I was looking for. And science had a lot of answers, and so I didn't even know that people do that. It just, to me at the time, it made sense. I wanted to study science, and when I went off to college to start pursuing scientific studies, I just dumped my religion. I just like, wow, I don't wow. need it. It was 1991 that REM song came out, "Losing My Religion," and, yes, and I, I remember, remember that, like yeah. that was just how it was for me. You know, like I, I'm not going to get up on Sunday morning and go to church anymore. Oh, wow. Right through college. All through college yeah. and into graduate school. And it was in my 30s before I had to confront that question again. Wow, okay. So what were you, so what were you studying in, in college? Chemistry. Chemistry, mm-hmm. okay. I started out with biology and then I realized uh, 
If you really want to understand biology, you need to get underneath it all with the chemistry. So okay. it was very much a search for truth. Yeah, um, interesting. I wanted to know, I didn't know to call it first principles at the time, but to me, you just, biology is like memorizing stuff, no offense to the biologist, yeah. <laughs> and drawing little figures of how things fit together like enzymes and things, but I wanted to know what makes those up. So, okay, um, yes. I started out as a biologist and then studied chemistry and fell in love with it. I still, yeah. I get so excited to teach it. I teach it to Catholic students now at colleges, wow. but I tell them science is the study of God's handiwork. And when you understand atoms, you know, you heard me yes, talking last yes. night. When you understand how atoms work, I really do think it just gives you this deeper appreciation for the mind of God and how yeah, wow. what God is doing around us all the time. That's awesome. I was fascinated last night about your talk and the way uh, you, you described that, how small not only an atom is, but then within that, the protons and, oh my goodness, it's like these mini solar systems. I just blown away. I'd love to phenomenal. get into that. but oh. It breaks my heart how um, people that get out of high school hate chemistry because it's yeah. so abstract and they don't even realize it's it's happening in wow. their bodies and all around them every minute and wow. it's just sad. I, I just, I, I love chemistry. I think it's amazing how logical the universe yes. is. It's mind-blowing. Wow. Do you think uh, that the disconnect is the separation of modern day science uh, not really um, teaching science with uh, a th you know with God in mind is that we'd we yeah would that be a big part of it yeah because I used to teach at public institutions yeah. where there was no God in the picture and for me in my life at that time there was no God in the okay. picture so um, I uh, know firsthand that it's it's not very satisfying mm -hmm. just to open the chemistry book and say to the students we're going to learn what protons are we're going to learn where atomic theory came from we're going to learn how to balance equations we're going to learn how to write chemical formulas and name them they don't care yeah, yeah. they don't care they they'll do it to graduate and that's all they care about and that's why people hate chemistry because it doesn't matter to their lives but when i teach these catholic kids and i can say things like even if you don't become a scientist, even if you don't become a chemist, what you learn in this class is gonna change the way you see the world and it will okay. change your life for the rest of your life. And you'd be surprised how many of them decide to become scientists then. Wow, okay. So. Praise God, yeah, we, I'd, I'd love the idea of what you're doing and, and re, almost like putting science back to where it belongs, faith and science, yes. that reunification, mm -hmm. because they're not at odds, are they? They, they do. I mean, good science <laughs> yeah. leads to uh, a, a, a creator and truth. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. oh, that's beautiful. Now, can we touch? Uh, you are married. Uh, did you get married um, young, uh, and and you've got a few children now? So, what? When did that happen? Yeah, my life was a wreck before I started my conversion process. Um, I had I was a single mother with two children. Oh wow! Um, and that was part of my reality check. Was I, I mean I. Part of the reason I speak today, and because I'm, I'm kind of shy and like it's difficult getting mm -hmm. up and speaking and planning the talks and things, but my passion for it is because I, I was one of those people who was all in on what we call scientism. I didn't call okay. it that, but I literally thought that science had all the answers and that religion was unnecessary and philosophy is just for, let's like basket weaving, like mm -hmm. if you want to go ahead, but what's the point? <laughs> and, and I, 
I know what happens to a person with that outlook and I think so many people have that outlook and they haven't thought about it. They haven't realized to the, ex the extent to which their materialism affects their ability to love and have relationships and, and have a healthy, um, emotionally healthy life and without God. And uh, I mean, the biggest one was the two children I was raising. I really did, I, it breaks my heart to say it, and I've talked to him about it, but I really did treat them like objects because to me they were objects. They were just... Without God, that's... Uh, that's how your, how your you brain's telling you that, but your heart's telling you something else, but you don't even have the language to deal with what your heart's telling you. Mm. And, um, you know, we're all made to search for truth and love, but when you don't realize that, you, you just kind of try to put it on the shelf and it doesn't work and it just wreaks havoc in your life. So when I finally, by the time I got to 33, I was successful on paper. Like I had my, my big job, I was a single woman, I was like all into the feminist thing, I had two cars, I had my own house. And, but I was miserable and I was lonely and everything but happy. And wow. um, I, I knew I was in trouble and I knew my kids were in trouble and so I'm like, all right, God, it's me, Stacy. remember? And I just remember I prayed one time at the lowest point and said, I, I'll, I was in my bedroom and just crying. I, when I was a little girl, just throw this in real quick. Yes. My grandmother, Baptist grandmother, gave me a little journal and she said, Stacy Ann, I want you to write prayers to God every day. So it wasn't a diary, it was my prayer life. And I want you to read one chapter of the Bible every night and write your prayers to Jesus every day, not God, Jesus. <laughs> And, um, and I did that, and from the age of like eight on, my entire childhood is recorded in Dear Jesus Prayers. Wow. Pouring my heart out. My mom saved them for me, and I read the Bible three times through because of As that a young girl. advice. Wow. So then when I set it all aside, I really had tried to be Christian, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that because it's important to do that with your kids, even if they turn away, because yeah, when my life ran into the... The, when the wheels grinded to a halt, as they say, that was the thing that saved me. I remembered, and I literally, one night in my bedroom in tears, sobbing, because I just, everything was broken. Everything was messed up. And I got on my knees, and I, I'm like, dear Jesus, it's Stacy. <laughs> Remember me writing all those prayers? And I just said, if, you know, give me a second chance, I'll do it right this time. And that's a few months later is when I met my cradle Catholic husband. Wow. And by the time we got married on 010203, January 2nd oh, of 2003, because okay. he's a mathematician. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we're like, that's a good way to start our life together. But then with him being comfortable with him and starting, we had a lot of problems because of my materialism, because I didn't, I didn't know how to love. But I did say to him, I need the answers. That's what I said okay. to him. I need the answers. Like I grabbed him and shoved him against the wall. Like I need the answers, and you have to tell wow. me. Was he practicing his faith at the time he, when you met him? He was. He wasn't. I don't want to say he was falling away because he was never rebellious okay. about it. But I don't think he was really practicing at okay. that time because we kind of helped each other. Yes. Because I, yes. I wasn't letting it go. Like I. I need to know the truth. I'm 33. Time is running out. Hmm. And. Um, and he gave me the catechism. Wow, it's like the, 33. The book of yeah. answers. I'm like, yes. like all those questions I had as a Baptist girl, I found answers to it in the catechism. Like this wow. is brilliant. Y'all wrote it down. <laughs> you, wow. you have this. But when I read that line about children are gifts, I don't know what it was. It's like that truth striking a chord. 
it just it sounds silly but I'm like yeah they're not atoms and molecules they're not objects they're gifts and yes. that means there's something God gave you and entrusted to you and it changed it just cha it, it changed me so much that I quit my job and said God I'll take as many gifts as you can give me wow wow can I uh, you touched on you had everything the world said makes you happy yes a successful career mm -hmm. you had the two kids <laughs> um, um, oh and a girl Boy and a girl, like the whole balance, but you you were miserable inside. So yes. can I just? I imagine there's a lot of people out there that 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 are out there on the outside have it all and look and and, and look the part. You know, um, did you on the outside? Did people see your pain or no? You had on the, what was it like? And I'm curious, just because there are people probably watching mm -hmm. who 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 put on, I guess, a mask or put on yeah. to say, I've, I'm successful, people are looking up to me, I've, mm -hmm. I've got everything I want, but then really, truly, when they look down deep inside, they're not fulfilled. Um, what was, what, could you touch on that, like, speak to that? It's a schizophrenia. Okay. It, it was really, I became very good, so I mean, being, being a chemist, I'm naturally inclined to just compartmentalize mm -hmm. and think logically and and it's real easy for me to just shut down emotions and just deal with the logic only I really wasn't being very logical I was more like rationalizing things but okay. um, but compartmentalizing I didn't realize how bad it was till I reflected later so I didn't recognize it at the time okay. but I totally compartmentalized my personal life from my professional life okay. put on appearances and, and so when you become fixated and obsessed about the right appearances, you just don't have time to grow as a person. Like you don't. Interesting, yeah. And so on the outside, I, I was good at all of that. I was very practiced at, mm -hmm. you know, looking all the right ways and acting all the right ways and charming. And, um, you know, I was tall, had blonde hair, and, mm -hmm. you know, I was a mess. <laughs> but. It, in, in, inside in your personal life, you know, inside the walls of your house, there's it was desperation. I was a little girl. I, I, I never grew up in a lot of ways. I was a little girl, terrified I wasn't worthy of being loved, terrified that if I didn't play the role well enough out there, nobody was going to want me. And, um, and, you know, that was part of what caused problems with my husband because cause he was tall, dark, and handsome, you know, and I was like, oh, got to have this man and played my catch him game yeah. and, and all of that. And, and he, you know, I, I didn't, in our marriage for many years, I was still playing that role, trying to look the way I thought he, trying to be who I thought he wanted right. me to be. I didn't know how to ask myself. And that, that was actually... I didn't, I didn't know how to ask myself, who are you and what do you want? Mm -hmm. What do you want? It didn't matter what I want. What I wanted is what I needed to want to look the way I wanted to look, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the th most powerful thing Jose said to me, that's his name, he, when we got pregnant with our first child, which was right away, um, going to have a baby, he said, all right, this is your third baby. We're going to raise this child. Um, he said... I want you to do whatever you want to do. I'll take care of you and the child if you want to quit your job and stay home. I'll you, Whatever you want to do. Don't do what you think I want you to do. Don't do what you think anybody else no. wants you to do. Mm -hmm. You do what Stacy wants to do. And I'm like, I loved playing with dolls when I was yeah. a little girl. I just dreamed of being a mommy. And like, I want to 
be here for her. I want to be here every day for the rest of my older children's lives, and I want to be here for this one. And I was. I walked away wow. from my job. I quit. Okay. You know, and they said you'll never do research again because you're going to be out of the loop and you're you're not going to be. And like, I, I don't care. I, you know. And Jose said you might find you're interested in other things besides chemistry, and. Here I am, you know, like I, wow. I started studying theology and the, my, I still call myself a chemist because I'm teaching chemistry. I'm passionate about chemistry. I want people to know about chemistry, yep. but um, only in the context of faith. And, and now I, I can use what I know about chemistry to look at philosophy and theology and help out there. Interesting. Yeah. I know the science. And so I can be of a, of a help with that conversation. Um, so that that's what I ended up doing like I never would have planned that life out for myself I never would have yeah. thought that walking away would turn into so much um, and when people say there's no room for women and women don't have leadership roles in the church or whatever uh, like it was the church that told me and my husband that told me go be you yes <laughs> yeah. figure out who you yeah. are <laughs> very true wow yeah. so you, you um so you've read the catechism you're married you've got uh, yeah, uh, a child. Uh, since your third child, first with, in, how, what was the faith journey now as a um, married woman uh, with a with your your husband's journey as well? Was mm -hmm. he growing with you? Were you both learning together? We mm -hmm. um, and w would you say like ha was that years of a process? Um, I mean, we're, we're lifelong learners, but was there a point where you said, "I get it. I love." I want to be a Catholic and mm -hmm. I want this. I want, was it, did that take a while? Um, no, because as soon as I, I was so thirsty. Okay. And as soon as I found it, like the, the whole spirituality thing was unnerving because you've never, you've never thought about this. I mean, you're sitting, you're sitting here right now and yes. there's atoms and molecules and you love all that <laughs> and you're great. When somebody tells you there's angels with you right here, it's like, <laughs> How do I measure that? Are they going to hurt me? <laughs> and, and then when someone says God knows everything about you, I'm thinking he doesn't mm. just know how many hairs I have on my head. He knows where all the electrons are and all the atoms and all the protein, protein molecules and every hair on my head. Like it was just too much. <laughs> and I, I do think with scientists that is an issue because it's like God, the God that created everything you study, it's, it's a little too much in your face. It's mm. too, it's scary. It's scary thinking that that the, the the God who created everything around you loves you personally. Like, yeah, wow. It's too yeah. much to get your head around. So it, there was a lot of years where I did the thing of trying to look like the perfect Catholic mom. Mm -hmm. Trying. So I was all in at first. Okay. I wasn't. I wasn't hesitant. I was like, I grant intellectual assent to whatever the church wow. teaches. Just tell me what it is, and did I'm you get all received in. in the church fairly soon? No, it did took two years. Two years. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it took. It took two years. So when you're a Baptist, you say, yeah. "I want to be saved," and yes. they pretty much throw a parade as you walk down the aisle, <laughs> and, and then it doesn't matter whether you come back or not. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when the priest told me it's going to take a year, I'm like, Nah, I'm, I don't. I don't think I want to be Catholic. Then it's just going to take too long. <laughs> but he said, you, you need to go through this process. And I learned a lot in that process. So I had to get an annulment okay, yeah. from my past. And that took a while. And uh, no, one, no one told me I needed to do that. So I went through RCIA, and then they said, well, you need to get an annulment. And so when my class was received into the church, I had to sit at the back and not join them. And it, it was good for me. I needed it. And then I went through the process, and during those years, I said, you know what, 
I believe, if I, if I really believe that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist, and I do, then I understand if I can't receive communion right now, but I'm going to be there. I grabbed, mm -hmm. I told Jose, I'm like, if, if the newspaper said Jesus Christ is going to be in that building 10 minutes down the road every morning at 8 o'clock, yes. I'm going to be there. And he's like, well, you don't have to go to daily mass. And I'm like, yes, I do. I did. <laughs> so while I couldn't receive communion and I had two toddlers and was pregnant with the third, I hauled them all to daily mass every day. I crossed my arms. I went down to the front, dragging them down with me, and everybody right. learned to help. You know, the older parishioners yes. helped me out, and the priest was like, I, "I'm just going to see if you can have it first. I'm like, "No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to do it the right way, and I'm going to wait." And I needed to do that. That taught me that it's not all about Stacy. It's not about me showing off. It's not about me living up to some standard. It's about subjecting myself to an objective truth that the Mass is about Christ, and it, it taught me that, and, and that stayed with me, and I, I needed that tempering, I needed that change of how I look at things. Yes, yes. So, the day yeah. I first received communion was the day we celebrated our sacrament of matrimony, because 010203 oh, was okay. civil, because I, yes. I wasn't going to wait a year to marry him, I was afraid I'd lose him. So, <laughs> um, it w we celebrated the sacrament of matrimony, we baptized our third daughter, and um, and I received first communion on the same day. Wow. Okay. Wow. And I almost what passed out. <laughs> I can imagine that's overwhelming. Three major milestones. It brought Praise me God. to my knees. It was a beautiful day. And um, you were I, living in the uh, is it New York area, or were you we were in the, Massachusetts? Massachusetts. At that time. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. We moved around quite a bit with his job then because okay. he was supporting the family. So. Um, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful day, and my, my biggest struggle as a Catholic was trying to be the perfect Catholic. You know, here I was, the perfect feminist, now I'm the perfect Catholic mother, and, and I had a lot of, it took me 10, 15 years to, to realize I, I don't have to check all those boxes to make God happy. Yes. Do, what gave you that impression? Was that from the people around you? So that, that could be very common in some Catholic circles where yeah. are, are you are almost feeling judged by your fellow Catholic and are you, are you up to standard? And that's a real danger that I think uh, the devil plays with that. Mm -hmm. um, would you say that's where the pressure was from? Yeah, so, definitely. Because yeah. I, I, it was back in 2000. So 2006 I became Catholic and I pretty much just hid for the next four years because I okay. was I having baby after baby after baby, wow. like nursing, like four daughters in five <laughs> years we had. Praise God. What yeah, and uh, it, that was all I was doing. And then um, and then I started, then I, I thought, I said I want to enroll in the theology program. But I started reading, I started a blog in 2010. So okay. that's when blogs were becoming popular, yes. right? Yes, yes. And I started studying theology, and I said to Jose, I'm going to start writing, because I always wanted to write. I'm going to start writing about what I'm learning in my theology classes, but as a convert mother. Yes. And I was reading all the blogs, and so that's when I got into kind of more of a traditionalist circle okay. where you can't wear pants and you, you know, I, yep. I, I didn't wear dresses all the time, but there was a time when I really questioned, what, is that what I'm supposed to do? And then the creationists got a hold of me and okay. realized oh, I don't have a problem with evolution, so I got sucked into those debates. Yes. And, and I started writing about motherhood, too. like raising children because it, it was hard with that many little children um, just getting them to mass. There was It was hard and trying to keep a hold of yourself. So I really started writing in those years as, you know, theology, motherhood, science, 
trying to put mm -hmm. it all together. Um, but it, that was where I got this idea that I have to check. I call it the checklist because yes. I say, don't do it. Don't do the checklist. Yes. That's not how you live your life of faith. Yes. If you're checking off the list, kids are in Catholic school, got plaid skirts on, check. Yeah. Kids are praying the rosary with me every night, check. Don't be surprised if your kids hate being Catholic by the time yeah, they're teenagers. The, the amount of pressure and it yeah. becomes a bit superficial yeah. if, if, if you're not careful. I was doing yeah. the same thing yeah. in a yeah. different context. Yeah, very interesting. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a spiritual maturity that has to mm -hmm. happen over time. Um, that, that we, that's a whole topic. <laughs> but, yeah, life but gets I, it out of you. I'm, I'm keen, so you had uh, a total of how many children? So total, total, total. Well, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You gave birth to how many? Yeah, I have seven children. Seven I've children. given wow. birth to seven children, raising seven children. My oldest is thirty-four. Okay. And I have a twenty-eight. You're not old enough to have a thirty-four-year-old. Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> she's um, she's doing wonderful. Um, yeah. she, her name's Reagan, and she okay. has five kids. Wow! Congratulations! Herself. Wow! And uh, she's a counselor. She helps people with um, addiction and mental health issues, wow. especially wow. women with dual diagnosis. So she's, oh, wow. she's uh, doing wonderful things in the world. And her kids are, she's got twin daughters and then three other kids. And they're, okay. they're wonderful. My son is 28 and he's been in the Navy for the last eight years oh, and uh, working on nuclear um, power on ships. So we have a lot wow. to talk about there. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, he's married to a beautiful woman, so I'm just so proud of them. And then the four daughters that Jose and I had, um, they're, they're 20, almost 19, um, 17, and 16. I have to stop and think because yeah. <laughs> they're always, somebody's always having a birthday. But they're, they're um, get, becoming adults now, too, okay. and um, finding their own way. And then our youngest is a boy. JJ. Okay. Oh wow. Named after his dad. His name is Jose Jacinto, after his grandfather. His wow. Yeah, it's a very common uh, Spanish thing or South American yeah, thing. Yes. Yeah. Except yeah. our little boy JJ has like light hair and blue eyes and, and <laughs> is very light skinned. His <laughs> name JJ. <laughs> named Jose. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, oh praise God! What a blessing and a gift. And as you said, you discovered that they are a gift. They and are. You touched uh, and I remember hearing the talk last night. You did touch on. Um, you had some miscarriages as well, yes. and how difficult that was. And, um, and that, it's almost a topic that many women don't speak of, and myself included. We, we lost one child, uh, uh, and I remember how difficult that was, and I didn't realize, it, until you go through it, it's like, this is almost like an unspoken mm -hmm. <laughs> pain. This is, can you touch on, Very hidden. on that? Um, uh, that was difficult, uh, of course, naturally. Uh, uh, how many were there, sorry? The miscarriage? Five. Five mm -hmm. miscarriages. Five. And, and I think it's very common as women get older, you know, mm -hmm, when you approach mm -hmm. 40. There are scientific studies where they look at the hormone levels of women, because that's how NFP is used. You know, and when your hormones start changing, you, you know if you're pregnant or if you're not going to get conceived that month. Um, and so they were looking at hormones, and so they knew women were pregnant very early mm -hmm. in the studies that I read. And the, ver the different studies are pretty b wide range, but it's a high number nonetheless. 30 to 70% of all conceptions don't survive to birth. Okay. Think about that. Wow. Wow, yes. Of 30 to 70, that's a big range. So if 70 is true, if anything over 50 is wow. true, it means most humans who exist aren't even born. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it kind of changes the way you think about abundant uh. life. I 
Wow. I had to, and so those numbers kind of bear out for mm -hmm. me. If you count the number of times I've been pregnant and the number of times I've lost children, yes. it falls in that range. Yes. And so I think, um, I think a lot of women suffer this. I think a lot of women don't even know when they miscarry a child. And yeah. that, that was when I really said, you know, this NFP thing that the church, you know what I'm talking about with NFP. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. This, this natural family, it's not just about family planning, it's about the woman knowing herself. And, mm -hmm. and what happens when you do know that is, even though I lost those babies, I know they existed. Like, it yes. would, it's horrifying me, to me to think I might have missed it. Like an early miscarriage, you might yes. not even know you're pregnant and then you yes. miscarry the baby and you don't know. So although it was more painful because I loved them, thank God I knew about them. Yes. You know, yes. like, I, what if I didn't? Then, yes. you know, I, I would rather have the pain and the knowledge than nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Amen. I don't, um, I also, you know, I thought, People don't talk about it a lot, but I, I understand why, because it's a very hidden yes. pain. And I don't care who you are, the woman feels like she's failed somehow. You can tell her she didn't, but okay. it's her body that couldn't keep that baby alive. And it, it is, a, it is a, fa a failure of sorts. It's not really, but you feel that way. Okay. It's hard not to think that. And, um, and that's why I think we need to talk about it more just so women can express those feelings and find some camaraderie. It's one reason I talk about it. You know, because it was, it was obvious to me back in those days, if the Trisankos family had had five children that lived to be age two, mm -hmm. and they all died when they got to be age two, the community would have turned out in droves to comfort us and offer yes. condolences and be there for the family. But when you just lose a miscarriage, you know, the church says, these are children, these are your babies. Yes. They're the same as any other person, just younger. Okay, well, when you lose them, it's just as painful if, if you really believe that. Yes, So. very true. But nobody knows how, even Jose and I, we're, we look back on it now. The hardest thing for him at that time, he was grieving the loss of his child, true, just like I was. But he was more, he said, I was more heartbroken about you. Like he didn't mm. know, he didn't know how to help me, and like nothing he could say would fix it. Because he could see what you're going through mm -hmm. as well. Um, yeah, there I, wasn't, I can he felt, relate to that. He said he felt so helpless, and mm -hmm. and then in in all of that, nobody's there for him. Nobody, you know, like he's just got to be the strong one and not know how to help. And those were those were really hard years for us because I, I really fell into despair for a while and it caused problems in our marriage and stuff. And we, we've gotten to the other side, um, which is a story unto it's a beautiful yeah, story yeah. yet again of the, what yeah. the church does for you. Yeah. You know, grace can get you through this. Just trust and be vulnerable and open up. But one thing he did during that time is, after it was all said and done, he went out and bought five little crosses and put them on the mantle. And he's like, I, maybe it's dumb, maybe it's stupid, but we're going to put these on the mantle just so that we always think of those babies and and we we beautiful beautiful and the, the great thing now is yeah. that we we pray for them pray with them every yes. day and i can be I'm praying for you comfortable just like i'm comfortable thinking about adam's invisible yes. things in the world i'm totally comfortable now i still cry when i talk about it a lot of times 
but I'm also comfortable just saying those are my children mm -hmm. and and I know them and I you know in the way that I can yes it's beautiful because sometimes I say to them okay guys I just need you tonight to pray for all the children out there if you got any friends up there any children that don't have people praying for them let's pray for them tonight yeah you know? yeah so I wow. can it helps me to to be a better mother yeah and beautiful beautiful yeah wow it's a whole topic uh, and I yeah. uh, I mean yeah if, if people watching and probably thinking uh, you know they, they've moved on or they haven't even thought twice if any women have had a miscarriage mm -hmm. I've tried to just bury it mm -hmm. and not talk about it or share about it but what I love uh, what you said last night was if, if there was no God then and they're just mole they're just protons and atoms and then why would this be so painful mm -hmm. but the fact that they're there is a God, there is a creator that loves us, loves those children. And you as a mother can't deny the fact that these are real lives. Yeah. Well, hang on. It does count. It does matter. Yeah. And, and does life, the whole debate in science, mm -hmm. when does life begin? Mm -hmm. Can you set it straight here on camera for everyone? When begin does life begin? At the beginning. At the beginning. <laughs> That's what conception means. Amen. It means at the oh. beginning. Now, I did do a little thought experiment, like what is that nanosecond when it begins? Okay. okay? okay. Because if you if you think like a chemist, you're, you th you're thinking in fractions of seconds. Yes. So here's the sperm, here's the other gamete, the egg, and they're coming together. At what nanosecond do they become one? <laughs> you know, like is it when their membranes touch? Is it when some chemical reaction kicks off? You know, because they say fusion, but fusion is a 24-hour process. Okay, so. okay. So when exactly I wanted to know that, but you, you know, I came to the, I wrote about bioethics and I said that it's kind of like death. We don't know the exact moment of death either. Okay. It's not, is it when the heart stops or is it when? The yeah, it, the church right. says total disintegration and philosophically it's a total disintegration okay. and theologically it's when the soul is not there anymore. Yeah. Biologically it's when the organisms start, you know, um, irreversible heart stops okay. or brain stops. but. You know, like, what does the doctor do? He will t check your heartbeat for one minute and then mm -hmm. call the time of death, but it's after it's happened. Yes, so okay, okay. No one really knows the exact moment, okay. we're talking fractions of seconds, of the beginning or the end. And so I'm not saying it's not conception. It obviously is. Yes. It's just that if you get into the really nitty-gritty, yes. there's mystery there. Yeah, okay. And it belongs to God. And it's That's, like yeah. all of us, all of us, hopped into existence in our mother's womb at a little moment in time yes. when God alone knew. Not even your mother knew at that moment when it happened. Mm -hmm. She may have figured it out later, but in the moment Very when the true. woman's just sitting around, boom, there's a new yes. life. And by the time we find out, I mean, well and truly, you could say this, you know, when we know now, is it 18 days where the heartbeat can be picked up or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, very soon. Really yeah, early. Less than three weeks. And by the time a, a woman figures out that she's pregnant, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's certainly weeks and weeks gone by. Mm -hmm. um, so it's certainly in that time. So by the time you found out, I mean, you, there's life. There's life, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, it's uh, the great debate. It's, it's just interesting today how science can't be in agreement. And people are trying to pick, uh, is it, <clears throat> what is it? Is it when, is it at the 12 week period? Yeah. At the 18 or 20? Gastrulation, <laughs> yeah, they, they um, move it. And I, I cover that in my book, Particles okay. of Faith, because they say it's not conception, they just say it's some other time. Like gastrulation is the point when twinning can't occur. So there's the whole oh, okay. debate about what if that one <coughs> zygote becomes twins mm. later. And, and so it's like, was there two or one? 
at the beginning. And th that's another, it's a mystery. I mean, there's okay. some genetic tests that suggest it was twins all along. We just didn't know it, um, that we're destined to divide into twins. Um, but we don't know. That's yeah. the thing. We don't yeah. know. So you just, with a lot of this, you just take what comes. You know, mm -hmm. when death happens, we call the time of death. When there's a new life, we say there's a new life. And, you know, you kind of live your Science, science is very humble because you're constantly studying the handiwork of God, yes. knowing you don't know everything and you're never going to. Like there's yeah. some things that happen, like right now, okay. molecules moved all around in front of <laughs> your face and you're never yeah. going to know exactly where they were. The moment's gone. <laughs> you lost it. <laughs> That's not, well, can we, yeah, we're, as we come to an end here, I, I do want to at least, I don't want to end without you touching on this. So uh, this idea of, uh, of, of, matter out of mm -hmm. atoms of my, can you just i mean <laughs> let, let's let's at least whet people's appetite here mm -hmm. um what what you study in chemistry and and understand uh things to its smallest i was fascinated how small <laughs> things are but how complex they are yes. so could you give us in a nutshell uh, uh, what is an atom yeah <laughs> and an atom is like a little solar system and so hardcore chemists will say no it's not the Bohr model is not what we use anymore it's true we use the quantum mechanical model but there's okay. no analogy to really describe that but um it's like a little solar system because there's the nucleus that has mm -hmm. the protons and the neutrons in it and they have the mass so very high density mass in in the nucleus and then most of the atom is empty space well, like if okay. you picture if you picture a marble in the center of an entire football stadium that's the sort of scale we're talking about. Yeah, in all the comparison. mass is in the marble and the space is all out there where the electrons are. And so there's the same number of electrons roughly as the number of protons, give well. or take a few, depending on whether it ionizes. And so those electrons aren't just running around out there. They're in very precise energy levels. So you can think about that like the path of an orbit around the sun, but it's, it's really more like a spread out energy all mm. around and it's vibrating so there's kind of a musicality to it harmonics okay um that define where the electron can go and so electrons have this discontinuous motion that's quantum mechanics they can't go continuously from one energy level to the next they can jump but they don't oh. travel in between they jump huh. And okay. that's how we visualize it. And they, they can jump, and so they can only be in very precise energies around the nucleus. Okay. And when they, whenever an electron falls back down, it loses that energy. So do you think of it as falling down from one level to the uh, another one? Okay. That's how we think about it. It loses that energy. That little packet of energy that it loses, that quantum, so it's quantifiable, it's a mm -hmm. certain number of energy, it loses it, we think of it as, we call it a photon, a photon of light, okay. electromagnetic radiation that's given off because it's energy that was lost, it's given off as radiation. Yeah. It might be visible light, it might be radio waves, it might be um, UV or gamma rays, but it's radiation that's given off and it's quantifiable. All radiation has a certain frequency of the wave that it travels and a certain wavelength, the length of the wave. And that's light. That's light okay that's what we that's what hits our eyes and our brain and retinas process i'm just trying to understand is it inside the atom is, does the atom have a shape mm -hmm. is it a ball is it an oval what what is it it's atom? more like a a space <laughs> it's a space There's so there's no actual a field forgive me i'm yeah. thinking okay. of a field like okay. the, an atom From one atom to the next are they doesn't really touching? have a boundary so okay. you've got the nucleus and then you've got this electromagnetic field around it you've okay. got the strong and weak nuclear force inside the nucleus 
And so what's holding the atom together is the negative electron and the positive proton. It's energy. But the electrons are mm. not just two, they're about 2,000 times smaller, but they're exactly 1,836 times smaller. And, they're, and they're, they're smaller, but they have the same magnitude of charge, just opposite, negative and positive. And so it's that force that holds them together while the yeah. electrons are whizzing around in their orbitals, jumping between energy levels and giving off radiation. And what I said last night, which I think is so cool, like absolutely mind-blowing, that a certain element, cesium, the 133 isotope, so cesium-133, it has to do with how many protons are in the nucleus. Yes. It's ground state electrons, so ground state means they haven't gotten excited. They're in the normal ground resting state. Just it's normal electrons in their configuration. They also have this motion where they jiggle. They kind of like vibrate smaller okay. in, their, in their ground state. And they're like four times, four million times smaller vibrations than jumping between energy levels. So very fine, call it hyperfine splitting. And, um, and I memorized this number just because it blows my mind. It's my favorite thing in the world. We that's the atomic clock. We use those to tell time. And so the second is defined as 9,192,631,770 oscillations of the hyperfine splitting of the electron of the cesium-133 atom. Yeah, for those who didn't get that like me, I mean, Over maybe we could put that in. <laughs> but that, that is a second. So you talk about, that's the atomic clock. That's what it is. That's how our, our smartwatches and things get there. It's, it's recorded in, in you know, orbits and satellites and it's sent back down. The information is. And, um, and we count our time. We count our time based on how God created these nine billion jiggles of this electron in a certain atom. And so when it jiggles, it gives off radio waves. That's how yes. we know, and they can measure it. And so they measure that so precisely. Not 775 times at the end, 770 <laughs> times yeah. they measure it. And that is, we've come a long way since sundials. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So what does this tell us? Um, so what are you, you're saying, the conclusion is, when you start to understand all this, the complexity or the design behind it or the yeah like that that we get into aquinas's five yes. ways whether it's motion or this. cause efficient cause or being or gradations of perfection or the last one teleology art the governance of the world some call it design mm -hmm. but all it's all kind of the same argument but it's not talking about this happened then in time this happened then in time this happened. it's talking about what's holding things in existence right now right now where you're sitting right now mm -hmm. what i'm just talking about is happening in every single atom that makes up your body like yeah. th that is how your your body is working as an organism be because the electrons are doing what they're supposed to do in all the atoms and god <laughs> knows where all those particles are <laughs> yes like he, he knows all of that and he knows everything about your soul, you know, because we're body and soul. Yes. We're kind of masters of our own lives. We can, we Amen. can, when a man and woman have a child, they've changed the trajectory of a great many atoms for all time that wouldn't have moved in those ways before. So it kind of gives you this stewardship. Yes. Appreciation too. But, uh, it blows your mind, doesn't it? Wow. It does. And when, you're, and when you're having a bad day and you're thinking, like, nothing's working out, I think about that stuff. Or I just go outside and look around. I'm like, okay, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> it's Life okay. Yeah, yeah, beautiful.
So you've written a book about uh, a lot of this. Is, so what's the name of that book again? Particles of Faith. Particles of Faith. Yeah. And you go into a bit of detail about how, mm -hmm. how it all works. <laughs> mm -hmm. I tell a little bit about my story coming from Catholic, I mean, coming from chemistry into Catholicism. Yep. I tell just a little bit of that story. And then I have a section on the questions in biological sciences and questions mm -hmm. in the physical sciences. So okay. I get into the free will and neuroscience, quantum yeah, mechanics, wow. and how to interpret it properly. Fantastic. Um, but the longest chapter is on evolution. Brilliant. Um, I don't have a problem with evolution no. if you understand that, that it's all God's creation and mm. we're just trying to figure out what happened Yes. Um, from a point of humility and limitations. We're just trying to figure it out. It, you know, as long as scientists don't conclude from their studies that there's no soul or no God, like That's when right. they jump out of science and start doing philosophy badly, as long as they don't do yeah. that, let them do their science. Yeah, you know? okay. Like I don't think we have anything. We don't. It's not have contrary anything. to our faith or the Bible. Mm -hmm. True um, science is not. Now, does no. that mean scientists aren't going to have wrong ideas? But theories in science are always changing. Yeah, They're interesting. By nature, never complete. So yes. let the scientists do their work. Don't fear them. Don't worry about. It. People don't need to freak out about the word mm -hmm. evolution. Mm -hmm. um, just see what they have to say because a lot of what we've learned about genetics because mm -hmm. of evolution and learning about genetics taught us a lot about ourselves and okay. you know how our bodies work and and how to catch genetic diseases and how to understand chemical imbalances in the brain and sicknesses so it, it, there's a lot of good there yeah and god there is a creator behind it all that's keeping yes. it together yeah. that's keeping it going so this is the beauty of it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I do want to highlight, I mean, we don't have your, we're going to try to get access to your book, but mm -hmm. the, uh, Catholic Answers, we are partners with Catholic Answers yeah. Australia, and we do have this bioethics booklet. Uh, you wrote, when did you write this? I wrote that in like uh, 2018, I believe. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, bioethics. 20,000 words. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. And you, you cover just a, a bit of an introduction of what it is, what bioethics is, and yeah. answering some of the human persons uh, to have the right to life and, and all this. Yeah, I tried to go, so it's Catholic Answers, their little yes. booklets, yes. 20,000 20, words, yes. 20 answers, yes. <laughs> do the math, yes. and, and um, they want me to answer 20 questions. Yeah. And so I came up with the 20 questions, but I, go, I start with the beginning of life and move to the end of life yeah, questions. Fantastic. Everything from contraception to wow. um, when does human life begin, um, e even personhood it's body and soul you know okay. it, I, I think all the bioethical questions come down to people forgot what the human person is or they never yes. knew wow. like I like I did I never knew Wow. Um, and then even organ donation um, euthanasia Wow. all the come way to the end so it's a real quick read brilliant um, but it, it grounded in church documents but also with my scientific back, background um, but really it's about human dignity yeah Bioethical questions are about human dignity. Wow, beautiful. Well, I recommend that for people. Mm -hmm. um, and now you have a website. Uh, what is that website? StacyTrasenkos.com. S-T-A-C-Y and Trasenkos is T-R-A-S-A-N-C-O-S.com. But okay. if you even get close to spelling it right, I'm told <laughs> it comes up. So um, and it's a hard last name to spell. I'll, I'll put the link uh, in the bottom uh, mm -hmm. and hopefully people can and check that out. Uh, I want to thank you uh, for for joining me here uh, in Perth, Western Australia. Thank uh, you. Beautiful, a beautiful day. day. Yes. And you're speaking uh, tonight and tomorrow, and uh, I'm wishing you all the best for that. Thank uh, you. Praying for you and all your work, your family, growing family. Um, please pray for us, Perusia, and um, love to have you on again down the yeah. track and maybe mm -hmm. talk more about 
uh, more topics. I just think it's fascinating and to, to learn more. And any any books you. in the pipeline? Is there any plan? Uh, yeah, I'm working on one about the past, present, and future of fetal tissue research. Wow. So it's something I wrote about in here, okay. how they use aborted children in medical research. Yes, yes. Um, oh, wow. I got, I got into that uh, several years ago, and um, I found a lot of people just don't know all the ways aborted children are used okay to understand the development trajectory from zygote to fully formed human being they're they're using aborted children yeah. so there's a lot of bioethical issues there yes um, who, who's culpable who's responsible what is allowed what's not well, allowed that's a fascinating topic yeah, yeah. i will wish you well for that. that it's called an unholy science yeah very interesting all right well let's stay tuned for that okay. well hopefully you're, you're open to come to australia again one day yeah. and yeah. love to have you back Yes. Well, thanks again for joining Thank us. You. God thanks. bless you. And thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that uh, special episode of the Perusia podcast. Check out the website. Pray for uh, this woman um, and, uh, and the great work she's doing and hopefully bringing more people, bringing back science and faith, bringing it back together where it actually belongs. Um, thanks for joining me. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>